Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Remember last summer when freshly minted Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole said he was opposed to cancel culture? And so what did he do a couple of days ago? Well, he canceled Derek Sloan for a completely bogus reason. Ezra Levant has plenty to say about this latest self-inflicted wound by the increasingly pathetic Conservative Party of Canada. And hey, sports fans, first the authorities were going after pro wrestlers for allegedly breaking the Wuhan virus rules. Now it's MMA fighters. Oh, it's true, it's true. And just will you hear what Sheila the She-Devil Gunreed has to say about this ongoing crackdown on athletes. And letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about my video regarding a very dark day in Toronto history. I speak of last Saturday, folks, when police brutally shut down a peaceful anti-lockdown protest. Apparently, the protesters forgot to wear their BLM t-shirts. That would have made them untouchable. Those are your rebels. Now, let's round them up. Ezra Levant here at Rebel World Headquarters in Toronto. We did our daily live stream at 12 noon, and we are coming to you with an emergency update. Derek Sloan has been voted out of the Conservative Caucus. And joining me now via Skype from his home is Derek Sloan. Mr. Sloan, welcome back to the program. We spoke to you last during the Conservative leadership campaign. As of now, you are no longer a Conservative MP. Is that true? That is that is definitely true. As of a, about an hour ago, I was not, or even slightly less, I was notified that uh, I am no longer a Conservative MP. Now, tell me about the process by which you were terminated. I understand there was a caucus meeting via Zoom. Is that correct? Uh, were you a part of that meeting? How did that meeting go? So I was a part of that meeting, and and uh, in that meeting, basically. 
Uh, and I should stay up front that the, the, the proceed, procedurally, it was entirely fair. Um, you know, I was able to make a, 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 at as much time as I wanted to make an opening and closing statement. And then in the intervening, uh, others had, uh, you know, some time to, to make comments as well. Um, obviously, the, the outcome is, is ridiculous. And, and of course, will damage the party immensely. But, um, but they, they've, they've made their bed and now they have to lie in it. Yep, as Mr. Sloan said, the Conservative Party of Canada made their bed and now they have to line it. But to quote a lyric from the Australian band Midnight Oil, how can we sleep when our beds are burning? What happened to Derek Sloan two days ago when he was given the boot from the Conservative Party was nothing short of a travesty. His unforgivable sin was receiving a campaign donation of a whopping $131 from a bigot. But the thing is, that bigot did not use his actual name when he made the donation. Well, too bad, so sad, because in the eyes of leader Aaron O'Toole, Sloan committed an unpardonable crime. And to think that last year, Mr. O'Toole campaigned against cancel culture. Unbelievable. And without further ado, I'm joined by the, the Commander-in-Chief of Rebel News, Ezra Levent. Ezra, the bottom line for any party, any leader making decisions is to increase the vote, win more seats. I think what we saw a couple of days ago was a gift from God to the Justin Trudeau Liberals. Yeah, I mean, there's a few reasons for that. Number one, Justin Trudeau needs criticism because he's doing a lot of things very poorly. I'm skeptical of the vaccines uh, for the virus because I think they were rushed to market. The virus has such a low uh, death rate. You would have to have an extremely safe vaccine for you to trade one set of risks for the other. But if you like vaccines, and some people do, great. Trudeau has been one of the worst leaders in the world for it. Um, Pfizer has cut shipments to Canada down to zero. We are a fraction of the speed of delivery of other countries. I'm not even talking about best in best countries like Israel, yes. but for example, the state of Florida. Um, so instead of criticizing that, Aaron O'Toole does the circular firing squad. I mean, that is something that really needs criticism. The Keystone XL pipeline when Joe Biden just nixed it and Trudeau said, oh, well, too bad for that. And contrast that again, I'm mentioning Israel because Biden in his first day had this goofy idea. He wasn't going to have an ambassador to Israel. It was an ambassador to Israel and Gaza. And Israel <laughs> said, no, no, no. If you call him that, he's not going to be welcome here. Yep. In two hours, Joe Biden turned around. So again, a contrast between a weak Canadian leader and another world leader. Yeah. Imagine if O'Toole and his critics had been focused on holding Justin Trudeau to account instead of holding Rebel News to account or holding Derek Sloan to account? How about being the official opposition to the government? So huge missed opportunities. Second of all... And, and by the way, if I may add, Ezra, what a win for the Conservative base. If you look at the number of seats the Conservative Party has in Western Canada, oh. you got to go to bat for the Keystone yeah. XL. And, and why wouldn't you? And <laughs> the thing is, Trudeau claims he's in favour, but he's yeah. done nothing to show it. Yeah. But much bigger than a lost 10 days of opportunity. Like, seriously, 10 days where they were fighting among themselves and the Liberals were just laughing, oh, we're really going to get away with this, <laughs> is that by his, choice, uh, by his choices, uh, Aaron O'Toole has affirmed, confirmed, admitted, confessed all the sins he's been accused of. Yes, we are a deeply racist party. Yes, there's so many racists among us. Yes, we have to hunt them out. Yes, it's so critical. I'm going to call them bad names. 
Yes, it's so bad we're going to have emergency meetings to purge him. They're using words like purge. And so, okay, Derek Sloan is gone, which is too bad because I thought he was an effective MP who had a base support in the party. But it's not even about him. It's now the liberals and the media, but I repeat myself, uh, have the new standard that Aaron O'Toole has set. You don't even have to have a racist in your caucus. Just if some obscure aging racist who hides his name exactly. donates 130 bucks online, <laughs> and if that's later found, you've got a gotcha moment suitable to fire someone. And that is exactly the casus belli that uh, Aaron O'Toole put in his tweet on Monday announcing Aaron O'Toole being fired. He said it's because he had a failure of due diligence and gross misjudgment and... Then he ended with some racist accusation, which is bizarre because, um, of course, Derek Sloan has a multiracial family himself. Correct. His wife is from the West Indies, I believe, right? That's right. Okay. So now it's open season. Every journalist, every liberal, every troll on Twitter now knows if you can find someone like three degrees of separation away from the party who has said or done something racist, Aaron O'Toole has to live up to his standard. And it's an impossible standard, but he said it for himself. And... So he has guaranteed that the narrative, the ballot question, as they say, from now to Election Day is, well, is Aaron O'Toole racist or does he have to do more? And then there's one more thing. He has demoralized yes. three parts of his base. Number one, social conservatives Correct. who feel that Derek Sloan was punished for that. Probably some truth to it. Number two, those in the party who say, well, okay, I understand the leader being the leader and followers being followers and the leader's the boss. But there's a huge violation of due process here. I don't believe my party is internally very democratic anymore. Yeah. That's a different thing than someone who likes Sloan for, for Sloan. This is people who like rules and like procedure. And number three, which is, I guess, related, cancel culture. Hair trigger sensitivity to fire and ruin someone's life because someone on Twitter had a tantrum. And that's all this was. The fact that Paul Fromm made a donation of 130 bucks in the name of Frederick P. Fromm, and that wasn't caught by anyone, including by the Conservative Party headquarters. Months later, should be a cause to fire an MP in, in two days, shows the most wicked, hair-trigger, hypersensitive cancel culture imaginable. I can't think of a worse example of cancel culture in Canada, and yet Aaron O'Toole had the chutzpah to campaign as the anti cancel culture guy. He, in fact, put out a release during the leadership campaign specifically standing by Derek Sloan himself. Yes. And so I'm looking at Aaron O'Toole. I'm thinking, you don't have the strategic sense to air your dirty laundry in private. You don't have the common sense to realize that this is going to be used against you as a new standard. You don't have the focus to take your opposition to the bad guys. You're taking it to the good guys. And finally, and here's the, the final takeaway for me, You've demoralized so many people yeah. in the grassroots. And for what? For every conservative you've lost, do you think you've brought over a new liberal oh, who's excited? None of them. They're all no. saying, ha-ha, you've confirmed our narrative. You're a bunch of racists. Thanks for undoing yourself. We're going to stick with a winner called Justin Trudeau because if we went for you, Aaron O'Toole, you're just a Trudeau wannabe. Why don't we go for the real thing? It's Coke or new Coke. We'll stick with the good one. Yeah. You know... Ezra, what I can't get my head around is how history is eerily repeating itself. And I'm not going back decades. I'm going back to 2019. Andrew Scheer, as the head of the Conservative Party of Canada, shunning rebel news, bending the knee to the mean girls of the media party, as you like to say, making an enemy out of Bernier so he splits away. And here we have O'Toole making an enemy out of Sloan. Um, 
it's like they learned nothing from the disaster of 2019, which I fear if there is an election this year, we might look back at 2019 as the good old days. Yeah. You know, um, in the end, uh, Maxime Bernier lost his own seat and won no others. Yeah. The uh, percentage he got, I think, was less than 5% of them going from memory. That said, I seem to recall a study showing that eight seats Correct. Uh, were lost from the conservatives. Now, that would have taken them up to 129 and taken the liberals down. That would have been very close. Yeah. And that was, I think, mainly because people were a little demoralized and they thought, why should I fight for Andrew Scheer if he so clearly hates me and he's... Like there was just a feeling that the party was at war with itself. I remember Andrew Scheer hired the liberal dirty trickster Warren Kinsella oh. to go after Bernier and the PPC. And again, I'm not saying you have to like Bernier and the PPC, but to, to have a whole campaign expenditure secret plan to go after your own base, what are you doing? And hiring a liberal to do it shows the whole thing. And so here you got Aaron O'Toole, who is explicitly demonizing the right. Well, hang on, aren't you the party of the right? And uh, if all you think you need to win are red Tories, you ain't going to win. No. Uh, you haven't won before. Um, I think that, I'm very sad to say this, but I think if there's an election called the spring, which I think there will be, I think Justin Trudeau's going to get a thumping majority. Yep. And the tragedy of it is, I don't even know if the party has the energy, the resources, or the interested talent to go through another leadership race. I mean, it was a pretty tepid affair last time. Uh, I just feel like Aaron O'Toole's been a bit of a deceiver. All his talk about being open-minded to build the tent, reach, talk to the independent press gallery, of which we're a part, even during the leadership campaign, he actually did talk to Kean Bextie on camera. He did his email interview with me about the China files. And then suddenly he just went crazy. And I'm thinking, who are you? He took questions from me at the parliamentary, uh, or, or sorry, the uh, the nomination debate that we set up with, in which, uh, unfortunately, Leslie Lewis uh, couldn't make, and then Peter McKay had earache solidarity. <laughs> That's right. But, but Aaron O'Toole uh, had questions with me, and suddenly everything changes. Um, crystal ball gazing for one last question, Ezra. Uh, I think you're right. I, I could see the Liberals probably gaining an additional 20 seats if the election were to be called uh, for what they suspect is late spring, early summer. But for the Conservative Party's future, if it's another crushing defeat like that, um, our mutual colleague Sheila Gunn-Reed, she's hopeful there might be a repeat of what happened in Alberta with the Alberta Progressive Conservatives uh, having a Phoenix-like rebirth as the UPC party and uh, getting back to their roots. Or my hope, and I'm not that hopeful it'll happen, but we saw in 2018 with the Doug Ford uh, Progressive Conservatives when it was the leader was Patrick Brown. In late January, there was a palace coup that got rid of Patrick Brown, thank goodness, and Doug Ford came in, not that he is uh, uh, a utopia when it comes to leaders, but it just showed that in a short amount of time, you could have a radical leadership change and still win uh, in the case of Doug Ford, a supermajority. Is there any whispers you're hearing that that is a consideration amongst those demoralized MPs who are on the conservative side? Well, a couple of things on that. First of all, that certainly was a palace coup uh, where Patrick Brown's most close staff, like seriously, his closest staff, yeah. put the dagger in. So I don't think Aaron O'Toole has that same risk. Okay. The second thing is, we just had the test whereby there was a vote, a secret vote within uh, the caucus, and it, we, at least it was a majority voting to oust Sloan. And I put it to you that that 
doesn't necessarily mean they didn't like Sloan. Mm -hmm. They realized that if the vote failed from O'Toole's point of view, if Sloan would have stayed in caucus, it would have been such a thumping, shocking, thunderous rebuke of Aaron O'Toole that he would have had to resign because it would have been tantamount to a non-confidence vote. So um, Aaron O'Toole played a game of chicken with his caucus saying, well, you better vote to kick out Sloan because otherwise that's going to look really bad on all of us. So we don't know the, the vote results. It's a secret. Derek Sloan himself told me he didn't know the vote results, but he trusted them. I think he's too trusting. But so this was just a test. Is there a mutiny amongst the caucus? Well, not, not in the vote. In fact, Derek Sloan told me that not a single front bench MP spoke out in caucus in Derek Sloan's defense. So that tells me that there is no heir apparent. Patrick Brown had other people who wanted that job, including Doug Ford, obviously. And he had an untrustworthy inner circle who knifed him. I think Aaron O'Toole is the beneficiary of a very weak party, weak, uh, uh, shallow uh, bench, um, no rising stars anywhere. Um, I mean, I've been playing that game with everyone I can. Name the conservative critic for Heritage. Name the. <laughs> do you, can you do that one? No. Stephen Gilbo, he's bringing. <laughs> I mean, of course, you, I, I swear I've looked it up three times. I've forgotten his name every time. Why bother, really? <laughs> you know, and I'm not trying to embarrass you, but can you name the conservative critic for transport? I, I knew this a few weeks ago when you did the quiz and I've already forgotten. There you go. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad because I absolutely know none of our viewers know it either. And yeah. my point, and, I'm, yeah. I, and in whenever I do this, I tell people I'm not trying to embarrass you. The opposite, yeah. I want you to realize that you don't know it and wonder why you don't know it yeah. and come to your own conclusions. Mine are because they're either not allowed to speak out, they have nothing interesting to say, or perhaps the media won't cover what they're doing. All three of those possible answers suggest that they should be talking to Rebel News. Exactly. And I... None of this I say with any joy. I've, I've often said, you know, people say, oh, I told you so. Those are the worst words to say. People think it's a joy to say I told you so because, ha I'm right. <laughs> Anytime you say I told you so, you're saying, you're really saying my pessimistic prediction has come true. Well, who ever wants that to happen? I, I told you so. I don't want to be the guy saying I told you so. I want to be the guy saying, oh, wow, I was wrong. He's great on cancel culture. He's great on free speech. He's strong at keeping focused at Justin Trudeau's flaws. He's really unlocking the talent in his own caucus and cabinet. Huh, I was wrong. I've never been happier to be wrong. That's the fun phrase to say. I've never been happier to be wrong. The sad phrase to say is, I told you so. But unfortunately, with Aaron O'Toole, I told you so. Well, Ezra, great analysis, and there you have it, folks. As Ezra said earlier, uh, Aaron O'Toole, in light of the uh, Derek Sloan affair, if we can even call it that, played a game of chicken with his caucus, and he won. I'm afraid if an election is called l later this year, this Conservative Party is going to lay an egg. Keep it here. More of Rebel, uh, Rebel Roundup to come right after this. knew that my goal was not to fight there, it was to fight with a suit and tie later on. So, because uh, I had my share of battle, this was not uh, the time. They were armed, That was that's very scary to have that kind of people mm -hmm. armed. I'm not happy to see where Canada is going.
you guys are going to be remembered for the right reasons. You know, unlike uh, our police officers and, and our government right now um, that just blindly listen to whoever they listen to, the elites of the world or whatever. So I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for everything that you're doing for the citizen of Canada. And uh, this is wonderful. Dave LaDuke is a multiple-time world champion in his specific sport, a Malaysian martial art known as Letway. Now, Dave knows about health, he knows about training, and he knows about weighing and taking risks. And as you'll see, Dave also knows about freedom. You see, Dave received a lockdown ticket for $1,550 approximately for speaking at an anti-lockdown protest in Montreal in December. So Dave reached out to us through our Civil Liberties project, fightthefines.com. Well, sports fans, last week, Sheila Gunn-Reed was going to bat for a professional wrestler, namely hotshot Dan Duggan. Duggan had his TV show shut down in Manitoba by those pencil net geeks down at bylaw enforcement, even though hotshot was following all the necessary safety protocols. Insane. As for this week, well, our beloved She-Devil is going to bat for the mixed martial artist Dave LaDuc, who recently received a $1,500 ticket for speaking his mind. Alas and alack, that's how we roll these days when it comes to our most odious tentacle of political correctness, namely cancel culture. So joining me now is Sheila Gunn-Reed. And Sheila, I got to tell you, these days... You're hanging around, oh, I don't know, pro wrestlers, MMA fighters. I got to tell you, I really feel like a diminished man here. <laughs> but, but seriously, simply for exercising his freedom of speech, Mr. LaDuc gets body slammed with a $1,500 ticket. What the heck's going on here? Well, between Hotshot Dan Duggan and Dave LaDuc, I mean, these guys getting these tickets from the state, ostensibly for their own health and well-being. These are some of the toughest, most healthy people among us in society. And they're getting tickets for doing things that are perfectly safe and within their industry, in Danny Duggan's case, perfectly normal, something they do all the time. They weigh the risks in the ring all the time. That's part of their job to decide, is this healthy and safe for me to do today or not? Um, and yet they're getting COVID violation tickets, I guess, because of a disease that seems to only kill the most unhealthy among us and the elderly. And none of it makes any sense. You know, Sheila, it's just stunning to me, this clamping down on both athleticism and yeah. free speech. And, you know, we've lived through decades of various governments running, you know, and public service agencies running advertisements to get us off our keisters and to get in shape, the, the most famous of which is probably the participation ads from the early 70s where the average 60-year-old Swede was in as good a shape as the average 30-year-old Canadian. And I'm telling you, I, I think with shutting down the gyms, especially in a cold-weather country, where you can't go out for a bike ride in most places. And when you have a premier like Doug Ford saying, stay in the basement and bake cherry cheesecake, when all is said and done and we get back to normal, I think we're in for a shocker when we, get, we take a look at the stats for, oh, I don't know, obesity rates, diabetes, etc. What do you think? 
Well, I think that you're absolutely right that we are harming and degrading the health of the entire society to protect people who are by and large already isolated in long-term care facilities. And we should be dealing with that and how the disease is getting into those long-term care facilities a lot better while not harming the health and well-being of society at large. And for these professional athletes, they can't train because the gyms are closed. I mean, the gyms are closed unless you're a government worker in Manitoba and then the, the gyms are open but just to you. But the professional athletes that aren't hockey players or professional basketball players, but, you know, like the, the independent athletes like Danny Duggan and Dave LaDuke who are grinding it out in a very tough sport and you have to be at peak physical and mental wellness to participate in their sport, they're not going to be that at the end of it. And there's no reason why they can't be. If we're closing the small gym so that people like Dave and Danny can't train, they don't have a sport to come back to at the end of this. And no one is paying attention to that problem either. You know, and Sheila, it's the lack of consistency too. I mean, when you're yeah. talking about an MMA fight, it's one-on-one. -on -one. With wrestling, it's one-on-one, -on -one, unless it's a tag team event or something like that. The Royal um, Rumble, friend. <laughs> yeah, that would be the statistical uh, anomaly, of course. But the we have the NHL back in season. Uh, there's 12 skaters on the ice at any one time. And you know, last weekend I was checking out the uh, NFL playoff games. There was virtually nobody in the 78,000 seat park in uh, uh, stadium, rather in Orchard Park, uh, New York, where the Bills played. But when I tuned in the Kansas City Chiefs, it looked like the stadium was about 40% capacity. And, you know, they, that was because you could allow almost half the stadium in and do the social distancing. So if it can work in Kansas City, Missouri, why can't it work in other jurisdictions? Or is this Wuhan virus so super intelligent that, oh, I don't know, it, it, it has a lot of love in its, hand, uh, in its heart for Kansas City or, or maybe it's a Chiefs fan. I mean, how do you make sense of it all, Sheila? Well, yeah, and if it can work in Kansas City at a sporting event, then surely it can work in Montreal at a protest um, against the lockdown because it has worked in Montreal. Um, apparently, during the BLM protests in Montreal, it was perfectly fine. So I, I guess you're right. The virus does play favorite. Maybe it's a Chiefs fan. Maybe it cares about radical social justice issues. But it'll kill you if you care about free speech because that's where we're seeing all the tickets come from. It's you know, that's, the protests in favor of ending the lockdown where all the tickets are coming from. That's an excellent point, Sheila. Um, you know, we saw all across Canada large BLM, BLM protests. Not only did the authorities not clamp down, they took part in these protests. We even had police chiefs take a knee. The prime minister take a knee. I guess he was taking a knee against himself because that made no sense. And I'm trying to figure out how things are different now. How is it that an anti-lockdown protest, you will be even incarcerated for showing up, yep. whereas the jailers were actually bending the knee just a few short months ago? How do you make sense of that one, Sheila? You can't. And that's why I really enjoyed talking to Dave LaDuke because he's got a very unique perspective. He's Canadian, he's from Quebec, 
but his wife is Russian. So he understands the difference between the freedoms we enjoy here or used to enjoy here versus what um, she's experienced in Russia. But he also fights and trains in places around the world where they don't normally have the freedoms that we are losing here in Canada today. So he sees where this is going because he's experienced those places where it's already like this and has been for a very long time. And that's why Dave Leduc, while he's got a, you know, a, a successful career in MMA, he's back here in Canada speaking out and fighting for freedom because this is important because he has the foresight to have already experienced where we're headed here in Canada. You know, that's an excellent point, Sheila, and I think I've uh, discussed this with you before. When I've gone to these Yahoo Nation protests here in Toronto, the last one of which was brutally shut down by police at Young Dundas Square, I find that the most passionate protesters yeah. are typically those from the, um, from the former Soviet Union and the, and the former Iron Curtain states in Eastern Europe. They've seen how what happens they've they've watched this movie before and it doesn't have a happy ending and here's the thing again you have these freedom fighters i'll call them being denounced by the premier of ontario most of these people i can tell you from conversations with them did vote for the doug ford pcs in 2018 he calls them a bunch of yahoos they've embraced the term they call themselves yahoo nation that was way back in april and again a few months later even bigger crowds for racial injustice. And did Doug Ford call them a bunch of yahoos? Last word goes to you, Sheila. We've seen this time and time again. For example, the most outspoken people against the Chinese government are Chinese people themselves, yes. dissidents who live here. Again, because much like those people who grew up in the former Eastern Bloc, uh, people from Ukraine, people from Poland, um, they've experienced this, they know where it's going, and they see the creep in that direction. And they're willing to stand up and warn the rest of us who are too complacent and comfortable to care. And so, you know, they can get called names. I mean, I've seen people on the left call Chinese dissidents a bunch of anti-Chinese racists. They can call those people protesting Doug Ford, Yahoo Nation, but it doesn't change the fact that they're right. Absolutely. Sheila, thank you so much. And I can tell you here at Rebel News in Toronto, where actually, thankfully, we have a boss like uh, Ezra Levent that uh, probably sees us all getting a little fatter uh, right now. So we're building Speak our own yourself. gym. Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. I'll try to bulk up for you, and then maybe you can interview me like these other he-men that you're running into. So thank you once again for another superb report, Sheila. Thanks, David. Have a great weekend. Thank you. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Luckily, I interviewed that individual with the sign um, expressing concerns about political tyranny because talk about a self-fulfilling prophecy. He has been rounded up. He looks like he's being arrested. 
I don't understand why. Uh, maybe they're cherry picking the people that have signs before they go after other people. I see my cameraman Mocha being surrounded by police too. Well, it, 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 it's odd. They, um, they seem to be um, giving the media a bit of a hard time. Not that there's much media here today, even though <laughs> less than 100 meters away there's city TV, but I guess there's nothing uh, here for them to see. And um, so it, it's very curious, the strategy uh, being employed. Um, I'm just trying to figure out uh, who gets rounded up and uh, who gets a pass. And well, we're, we're here for the, as long as this protest continues. Stay tuned, folks. We are not going to leave. We are within our rights to be here. Your section one holds no precedence over the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. If you arrest me, you are committing a crime. Do you understand? Arrest the pedophiles. Do you understand? I am not under arrest. I do not consent. I am. No, I do not. No. No. If you touch me, it's assault. If you touch me, you are committing assault. You are invited. This is assault. What we've seen in this country since November 26 in front of Adamson's is unfortunately the death of Canada as we know it. We have Chinada now, we have tyrannical government, we have no freedoms, you, you have no freedom of expression, you have no freedom of religion, and today you have no freedom to peacefully assemble. I repeat, we have no more freedoms to peacefully assemble. The constitution of this country today is done. Well, that was the scene at Young Dundas Square in Toronto last Saturday. And what a sad scene it was. Several hundred people were exercising their constitutional right to stage a peaceful protest. Yet they were brutally shut down by police. I wonder why. After all, when hundreds of protesters gathered in the summer for Black Lives Matter protests, while well, the cops didn't shut down those demonstrations. On the contrary, many officers bent the knee in solidarity with the protesters. So why the double standard? Why indeed? In any event, here's what you had to say about this latest attack on our civil liberties in the name of curbing the Wuhan virus. Triggered Snowflakes writes, I see Canada is losing its freedoms too. Yes, our freedoms are slowly being chipped away at. And what's even worse is that we are being told that it is being done so in the name of personal safety. <laughs> Brutal. Sid Barrett writes, Real journalism. Thanks, Mr. Menzies and camera crew. Well, thank you for the kind words, Sid. We had four cameramen on duty that day, and a good thing, too. The mainstream media sat this one out. Apparently, there was no story happening here. How lazy, how shameful is that? Mike Kerrigan writes, if only these protesters had started some fires and toppled some statues while bashing cops with bricks, 
then it would be a legal, peaceful protest accepted and endorsed by the government, LOL. Oh, Mike, let's not forget the Molotov cocktails. As we saw in so many U.S. cities last summer, such as Minneapolis, Portland, and Seattle, if you are protesting in the name of racial injustice, you can get away with virtually anything from arson to vicious assaults, and it will be labeled as a peaceful protest by the MSM. Disgraceful and another indicator that journalism is dead. Bridget writes, 99.7% survivability should not make a health emergency. Agreed. In fact, Bridget, so many of the same people who were at Young Dundas Square have been protesting this gruesome lockdown since last April. So when you think about it, if this really is such a vile virus, shouldn't everyone, yours truly included, be dead by now? Capricious Black Box writes, apparently someone forgot to start chanting Black Lives Matter. Yep, CBB in 2021, that chant is also known as a get out of jail free card. And the authorities have the audacity to say their actions are being directed by science. Oh, give me a break already. And Wayne Schuster writes, they did not clash. The participants in the Freedom Rally were bullied and roughed up by the fascist police. Tory Ford, Toronto Police, we will never forget nor forgive for you for what happened on Saturday. Well, Wayne, it was indeed a dark day for freedom. If people still care about freedom anymore, that is. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.